you are, you are doing good. Uh, the last time I was here, my wife and I uh, led a uh, marriage conference, so I hope after the conference at least half of the couples there are still married, uh, hopefully. Uh, uh, hopefully, just let me know if it didn't work out. Uh, but uh, I'm, it, it was a great uh, uh, conference and just grateful to be part of that. And, um, you know, everyone who was part of that just did, did a great job. And so it was really sweet. Made my wife and I want to uh, get married all over again, right? Uh, to each other, to each other, that is. And uh, it was very, very sweet. So uh, I do encourage, if you're considering getting married, at least get married at least once, all right? Just at least once. Um, you know, marriage is a good thing. You have someone to play Scrabble with every night. You know, someone to play uh, Big Two, you know? So it's a, it's a good thing. Um, well, uh, um, this morning we are going to talk about uh, this, this precious moment that, uh, that uh, we see in, in, in this interaction between Jesus, his mother, and, and John, the disciple. And uh, I was told that uh, PT uh, uh, wanted me to, to, or wanted someone else to speak on uh, when it involves women, because whenever he talks about women, he gets in trouble with the women uh, in his life. And I thought, wow, that's actually pretty good, because I get in trouble with just saying anything uh, with the women in my life, just anything. Just sometimes I breathe, and, uh, you know, and I get in trouble. So, uh, uh, so that's a good thing. Um, but uh, but before we do that, let's, uh, let's, let's do this. I, let me share a prompt uh, for you to share with the other person. And as, we are doing, as you are doing a series on famous last words, you know, I'm, uh, I'm going to have you share just in a moment uh, a, time, like, a time someone gave you funny, and funny is, quote, you know, quote, quote, like funny, but maybe not the best advice. Uh, so when was the last time someone gave you funny advice or not so great advice, right? And so, you know, maybe someone told you to get a perm, and then you got a perm, and then it just, just got out of control. Uh, maybe someone told you to, I don't know, get the tattoo eyebrows, right? Uh, and that didn't work out for you. Um, maybe someone told you to go into this major or uh, go into that school or go into this occupation or go date this person. And, uh, you know, it was like, that wasn't the best advice. All right, so um, but as you're thinking about yours, I'll, I'll share with you the, the last time I, or the, when I think of funny advice, um, I'll share, you, share with you mine, that way you can think about what you want to share with the person next to you. So the person I think of is my older brother. He's a good nine years older than me. Really good older brother. Really awesome. And, um, and so I remember I was preparing to go to my first uh, youth retreat. And this is back in the days, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's still like this anymore, but when you were at a church, sometimes youth was like an awkward range. It was like 12 years old to 42 years old because the 42-year-old is still single, right? So it was kind of an awkward range. And so we had that kind of a youth, youth, uh, youth and how condescending, you know? It's like, oh, man. But anyway, so, uh, so I was excited to go to my first youth retreat because it was going to be the first time I get to meet other Vietnamese Christian girls. Uh, and so he was preparing me, and the advice he gave me when I was like 14 years old, he was like, okay, girls like it when you ask them a lot of questions, 
all right? Because all girls love being asked questions, right? Right, 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 women? Uh, you, you love asking, having someone ask you a billion questions, right? So anyways, I, I, he did not explain to me that there's a nuance, there's an interaction that, that helps as well when you ask questions. So I just thought, ask questions. And so I'm at this retreat, I meet someone, and then I just ripped with all my questions. I'm like, so what's your favorite color? Where did you come from? Uh, when, when did you come over from Vietnam? Uh, what's your favorite pho place? And then I was just like, you know, just down the line of all these questions. And I think someone was nearby. I was like, dude, is this an interview? <laughs> and I was like, maybe it's an interview for my, for my heart, you know? Um, and so I come back. I was like, okay. I told my brother, I'm like, um, that didn't seem to work, you know? Girls would just kind of answer my question, and then in mid-interview, they would kind of walk away, right? And so, and then he explained to me. But I, when I think of a funny advice, I, I, I think of that situation. How about you? Turn to the person next to you and share with them uh, uh, a funny advice. Go. You know, when, when I think about my brother and the, his advices, you know, they are funny, and, but I am grateful for him. Because uh, he played a really great role of a older uh, brother, but yeah, I mean, he there there was just yeah, he was he was the guy that I would always go to, uh, especially with 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 girls. Like back in the day, uh, if you thought it was hard to go up and like text a girl for the first time, there was a time when you had to actually call the girl on a landline, and sometimes, usually most of the time, it wouldn't be the girl that would pick up. It would be her mom, her dad, right? And then sometimes that mom or dad would stay on the line, right? And so I was like, oh, man. So if you thought it was, like, awkward to go up and talk to some girl for the first time, imagine having to talk to the whole family. I think one time I was talking to someone, and that person, maybe mom or, or, or grand, grand, grandmother stayed on the line, and you could hear them eating, so there's a, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> anyone, anyone part of that generation, you know? And so, oh, yeah, that was so awkward. And then I never knew what to do because, you know, I'm Vietnamese and sometimes I would call a girl and, you know, she's, yeah, I'm assuming her family speaks Mandarin. And so the mom or someone would pick up the phone and they would say, way, uh, uh, <laughs> do I say way back? Uh, do I say hello? Do, would I, do I just say whatever Mandarin words I randomly know, you know? Uh, you know, is that, does, that, uh, does that help, right? And so, uh, so, but, you know, I was always grateful because he was the guy that I could always go to. Like, should I call her? Or what do I say? Or, or when I went into ministry, should I go into ministry? Should, you know, and so he, he played an excellent uh, role of an older brother in my life that really helped model the way I not only do ministry, but the way I, way I even parent and the way I am a friend. And I think we can all use that. And so what we're going to see today is this uh, context of care, but an opportunity to see how we can care for one another as a family. All right? And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 19. And uh, we'll, we'll only look at uh, verses uh, 25 through uh, 27. All right? Verse 25 through 27. As you're turning there, I'll, uh, you know, uh, and I'm sure you've been going through, you know, the different sayings, uh, the last sayings of, of Jesus before he dies. And so I, just, just, just as a reminder, what's happening in this situation. And that helps us to understand 
the importance of what Jesus is saying right here, right now, right before he, he's, he, you know, he says, I thirst, and it is finish, right? So these are like one of the last things that he says, right? And so, um, uh, and so just, just remember, just up until this point, Jesus has been beaten. He's been, um, uh, you know, abandoned. And not only has he been abandoned, but the layers of abandonment. He experienced abandonment from the crowds. The same crowd that says, Hosanna, Hosanna, you're here, we worship you. The same crowd that was crying that out when he entered the city was the same crowd that now was saying, what? Let him die. Crucify him. He's a nobody. Let's go, let's see if he can save himself. So that's one layer of that abandonment. But then he experiences another level of abandonment, which is his friends, his followers. His followers that said, I'll die for you, Jesus. And they've abandoned him. And, uh, and then carrying the cross, he's hanging on the cross for what, four to six hours now. He's in pain. He's dying. So he's in a horrible, horrible place. And as he's in this horrible place, let's see what happens right here in this moment as he's hanging on, uh, on the cross. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. All right, so was it three women and his disciple, right? Now, catch what happens right here. Remember now, so all his disciples who said, we'll be there for you, we'll fight for you, we'll, we'll die for you. And there were other women, you know, other gospels, you know, share that other people were there as well, of course. But John records, you know, here we see these three women and John, the disciple. And then catch what happens. As he's hanging on the cross, as he's dying, as he's in pain, it says, when Jesus saw his mother and disciple whom he loved standing nearby. Jesus is dying. He's in so much pain. And yet he has the capacity to see. What does he see? He sees a mother in pain. And maybe, just, this is just a maybe part, maybe he sees a disciple that also is feeling lost. And so in all this, we see that in, while Jesus is in so much pain and he's, you, you know, uh, dying on the cross for our salvation, to be our atonement, he still has the time to see. He still has the time to notice. And I don't know about you, but, you know, this says so much about who Jesus is. He's never too busy to see what's going on with you and I. He's never too occupied with saving the world to see the unseen. Right? He, you know, he doesn't say, he doesn't say, Jesus was too busy to see what was going on. Jesus was 
you know, more focused on, you know, he had his eyes on the prize. It doesn't say that. It just starts with him in this interaction, what he sees. And we see this throughout his life. On his way somewhere, he sees. He sees, and he's filled with compassion. And so we see here, in the midst of doing something so important, living out his mission, living out his purpose, he still has the time to see. See the pain of a woman, see the pain of a woman that was his earthly mother. And it says so much about Jesus, doesn't it? And I don't know about you, but doesn't that just speak to a lot of us? I wonder if a lot of us feel a little unseen in this world. Sure, you have a family, but even then, even though you have a family that you talk to, that you're around a lot, you feel a bit unseen. And sure, you're really involved at church, but you feel a little unseen. It's funny, I, I, I remember, and I hear this a lot from different people, you know, someone's sharing, you know, they're very involved in church, but for some reason, as involved as they are at church, they feel so unseen. And as we kind of, you know, clarified and process, what was uncovered was, you know, part of it is they're, try- they're involved in ministry to be seen. But there's something about when you want to be seen for what you do instead of being seen for who you are or being just as you are. Wouldn't you say there's a difference? And so, uh, you know, so maybe a lot of us feel a little unseen in this world. Or some of us only feel seen when it's something you didn't do correct. And so here Jesus sees, and he doesn't say, just deal with it. <laughs> Come on, I, I got other things to do, right? He doesn't say to everyone, come on, people, like, didn't I already tell you this? How many times did I tell you that I was going to go through this? What's the big deal? But, you know, he sees. And as he sees, because of what he sees, let's listen to what what he says. He says, woman. Now, just to clarify, when he says woman, it's not like, like, you know, hey, a woman, a, a girl, right? You know, and I'm, I'm sure you know this already. Uh, but just to clarify, so back in that cultural nuance, it, it was actually a, a sign of respect. I think the best way, I think the best way I could describe it is for those of us who, I think when you're a parent, you, you, you have this, this, um, this, this feeling about that more than if you're single uh, or maybe if you're especially younger. But it's kind of like when some, your, your kids' friends call you by your first name without addressing you as uncle or auntie, right? You guys know what I mean? When a five-year-old goes up to you, like when a five-year-old comes up to me and goes, hey, David, I'm like what? You know, is there something about that that doesn't sound right? I know it's very cultural, right? But there's something that sounds disrespectful, right? So when they address me as uncle David or, or usually I correct them, uh, it's not David to you, it's actually your highness, uh, gracious, most humblest, uh, infamous, uh, studliest uh, David, all right? Come on. Where's the respect, all right? I worked really hard for all those titles, <laughs> right? Um, and so, but you know, it, it, I think it's something in that, that kind of nature where Jesus is dressing you know, Mary as, as, as with the cultural nuance of, a, of respect, right? So he says, woman, behold your son. Again, you gotta imagine Jesus like hanging on the cross. He goes, Dear woman, 
dear woman who has cared for me, dear woman who is so, so broken right now, dear woman who's experiencing the prophecy of the sword piercing your side as you see all this happening. Dear woman, behold your son. Again, what Jesus does not say, get it together. This was already talked about. But he says what? Your son. Notice Jesus doesn't go, here, let me make you feel better. Let me give you a sparkle of joy, right? You know, he doesn't say, hey, let me, let me do this for you, right? He, his, solution, his, his, uh, his way of addressing that pain is saying, here's your son. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when we want God to answer our pain and our sufferings, don't you sometimes want, you know, like, it to be a certain way? But then God, for some reason, always answers in a different way. I don't know, maybe Mary's like, come on, just get off the cross already, you know? Just show these people who you are. Just show these people who I know you are. But Jesus' solution to her pain is, here's your son. Here's a new son for you. And in some ways, I wonder if God has been answering your need in that same way through a relationship, through a care of another person in your church. And so that's something to consider. So next, then he said to the disciple, this is John, behold your mother. Now, John is action John, right? You know, he's, he's the uh, thunder John, you know? He's a man of action. He's abrasive. He's aggressive. So you can you imagine how hard it must have been for those of us who are the aggressive, abrasive, take, take, take action kind of people? The hardest thing for us who are like that to do is what? Is to sit and watch. You feel so powerless. But here, John is, whether it's at the foot of the cross or in front of the cross, He's watching all this unfold. And you would think, you know, I bet he was like, okay, Jesus, tell me what to do now. All right, you know, you want me to go grab the spear, you know, from, from one of the soldiers and go to everyone, right? But what does Jesus tell him? What's, what's his answer to that situation? John, take, take Mary as your mother. Love her as your mother. Be her son. Love her as a good son would love her, their mother. So this shows you there's something about relationships. There's something about family relationships. Because he doesn't say, John, visit my mom when you have time. Right? John, can you check in on, on my mom every so often? Right? doesn't do that. He says, see her and take her as your own mom. And, and so again, this shows us the, the dynamic and, and what a, a context of care looks like in the family of God. Now, a lot of us, I, you know, hearing this, you might think, oh, the baggage I have with my own family, 
I, I don't want to, you know, so some of us, I think we kind of scale back or, or we don't engage as much. Some of us have been kind of thinking about joining a small group or some of us, you know, um, you know have, have thought about a small group or some of us have been invited to join a small group. But maybe, at, you know, maybe on surface it looks like you're just too busy. But maybe you hold back because there's been some major family trauma. And when anything looks and feels like family, it, 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 it just makes you, you know, just, just crumble or makes you powerless or, 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 um, or paralyzed because there's so much of that fear. But what I love about this is when you can see the kind of family that God has in store for you and I, that's not about blood, but it's about his blood that brings us together, you can't help but say, wow, this is what family is meant to be. And so this is what he's telling John. And in some ways, I wonder if he's telling us the same thing. You want to do something? You want to do something great? I have something great in store for you. And one of those great things that you can do is to love and care for another person in your church as you would, you would care for a mother that you love, or a father that you love, or a son that you love, or a daughter, brother, or sister that you love. So there's something about that, right? We want to see great things happen, and Jesus has great things in store for all of us, but maybe sometimes we need to reframe it and look at some of those great things can be in our relationships with one another. So he says, then he said to the disciples, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Notice his reaction, right? He doesn't say, oh man, I have to take Mary, (laughs) the mother of Jesus, home with me. Oh, that's a lot of pressure, right? Shoot, I better start reading the Bible at least uh, once a day, right, in front of her, right? Or I better, uh, you know, I don't know, put away... I better put more pictures of Jesus on, on, the, on, on my walls, right? You know? Or maybe he was like, oh, shoot, we got that Mary, not the Mary that had seven demons. Oh, you know, that, that, I, I don't want to be there if the seven demons come back, right? You know, but no, no, John, again, John, who's a man of action, right, does what? You, harnesses that action, harnesses that energy, and taking Mary home as his mother. So, there are, I think, three lessons, real quick, three lessons that we can see uh, in this passage that I would love for us to consider. And I would love for us to see that maybe this is the Holy Spirit nudging you in a certain direction with one another. I think the first thing that we see is he sees us. Again, for those of us who feel very unseen, he sees us. He sees your worries. You know, he sees your, your pain. He sees your fears. He sees your accomplishments that maybe you're too embarrassed to admit. And he's filled with so much joy. It's like a, a, a parent that watches their child and is filled with joy. And that's, you know, I, as, a, as a parent, you know, I, when my kids, are, you know, I, I enjoy watching my kids. Because just watching them, you're like, wow, how did that come out of, you know, I can see how it came out of my wife, because she's a smart one and all that, you know, but there's so much creativity that they have, you know, there's so much, like, 
humor that they have. They're so just funny. And there's something about that where you just watch in our field with so much joy on a good day. <laughs> right? On a bad day, you know, you're just, just life is hard, right? You know, like, what are they doing, you know? Um, but, but that's not their fault. That's on me as a parent. But on those good days, see, God never has a bad day. And so he sees us. He sees us. The second part is um, he, sh- he shows us what caring, caring can look like. See, there's a difference between caring between friends and family, right? When you care about your friends, you know, there's a certain sort of uh, nonverbal agreement. Wouldn't you say, like, hey, whatever you need, but the nonverbal agreement. Now, you have some, some, some you know, good friends, great friends who would go above and beyond, right? And that, that, that is special, and that is incredible. And maybe you can do some history, so that's, that's very rare, uh, but very special and very important to have. But usually among friends, there's sort of this agreement that, you know, I'll help you if I'm available, right? Wouldn't you say? Because my life does not revolve around you. Right now, when, when you're younger, maybe you, there's a little bit more of that, right? But, but there's sort of that, that nonverbal agreement. Family, the difference between family and, and, and friends is family is whether you have time or not, you have to make time. There's no choice, right? There's no choice. You have to, right? And there's some cultural nuance to that as well, right? But, you know, like you have to. There's never a choice. If your, your family needs a ride, you have to say yes. If your family um, is sick, you have to stay home. If your family is, needs this or needs that, or just your family says, gives you weird advice, you have to pretend you're listening. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, 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 sure, right? So, but even then, right, even then, that family care is limited because the people in our families are sinful. They're born, we're all born sinners. Just like, I think I'm a decent dad, but I have good days and bad days. What Jesus is showing us here, the, the way that we can care for one another is not friends, is not family, not earthly family, but a spiritual family. And the spiritual family that is together because of Christ. But the spiritual family that reaches out to each other because Christ calls us to reach out to each other. Christ calls us to love one another as he has loved us. So the kind of spiritual family where we interact with each other, not because we're blood, not because we have the same interests, but because of Christ. Now, what is, what is the difference between that? What is the implication of that? Well, let me, let me put it this way. I have a really great uh, older, uh, spiritual older brother, right? Um, and that's Eugene. You know, he's, he's, uh, he was another pastor at, at the church I was at, right? And, you know, Eugene and I are very, we're, we're different, right? And um, I think I, I think normally we would just be, you know, probably good friends because, you know, he's, he's a great guy and I think he thinks I'm a great guy, right? But his commitment to me is 
is based on his commitment to Christ. I know that there are times when he goes an extra mile, not because of me, but because of Christ. What's the difference between that? Or for me, there's something comforting in that. His commitment isn't based on my performance <laughs> and what a good friend I am, but it's because of his relationship with Christ. But because of that, that also helps me to want to do the same for him because he's modeled that. Now, I will do the same for him because of Christ. Now, what happens when out of, you know, Christ calls you to be friends, you know, uh, to, to love someone like, like you would a, a family member, but they're not reciprocating well, right? Or they're not responding the way that they should. If Christ is in the picture, then the basis of your actions and the basis of the direction of how you interact with them is not going to be based on them now. It's based on Christ. And so you would do it for Christ. And part of doing it for Christ is your belief and your understanding that Christ is at work in their life. Christ is doing something. It's not turning out the way I would like it to turn out. But I put my trust in Christ, not in this person. Does that make sense? And so you see the difference so he's calling us now to interact with each other. He's giving us, he's showing us in this picture, you know, as, as a, you know, something to, to pull from in the situation of how to care for one another. How to care, how to love one another. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of people that need caring that aren't being cared enough. And so how powerful is that if you can participate in, and do that and be part of God's incredible work um, in that? Um, and so the third thing that we can draw from this is if you just don't have time, if you're just too busy, you're just too tired, you have your own family to worry about, you have your own friends to manage, you have your coworkers. You got your neighbors. You got your friends' kids. I mean, your friends. Uh, well, you got your friends' kids, but you got your, uh, your 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 kids' parents that you have to interact with. You you know, you have work. You have your health, right? You have all these things that you need to take care of. What do we see in this passage that speaks to that? I think the more we can envision and even sit at the foot of the cross, I think it speaks to all that. If you are standing in front of the cross, if you allow yourself to meditate, visualize, and even supernaturally see what Christ endured, how can you not do what Christ wants you to do? How can you not trust what Christ is doing is the for the better good for what he calls us to do. I, I, I had a, um, a, a rough week. And, um, and so I think uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm helping my, my dad with his uh, Alzheimer's. And the hard part about his Alzheimer's is the stuff that I wish he would remember, he does not remember. And the stuff I wish he doesn't remember, uh, he remembers, right? And so he's at that stage where I've had to uh, take away his, his car batteries. Otherwise, if he's driven, he's gotten lost, he's lost his wallet, he's gotten lost where I've gotten calls uh, late at night from the police, 
And then this is assuming he's been driving you know, for a long time being lost, right? And so we're at that, that, that stage. And unfortunately, my dad is doing the yelling and accusation thing, right? And so it's, it's I have to brace myself, I have to uh, prepare myself, and I have to manage my anxiety when I'm with him. You know, and the hard part is he's, a, he's, he's been a great dad. He's been a solid, solid dad. But I think anyone, you know, it's like, then I feel guilty. I'm like, oh, why am I letting it get to me? You know, like, oh, you know. And so I had this, this moment this week where I was, just, I was just too tired to care. And then I think there were a couple uh, people who asked for like a small, small, small favor. And normally, normally, I am like 99.9% like happy because you know, that's the way I, I, I see what shepherding looks like and what being a pastor, you know, just being there, whatever it may be, right? And so I noticed that. I was like, oh, and I was just like, just feel a dread. And then when I was helping my dad, it took longer, you know, than my kind of planned time. So it took longer, and then someone needed something. I was like, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm just so tired. But then I was thinking, okay, maybe this is an opportunity to follow my own application. Maybe I need to visualize myself at the foot of the cross. And so as I'm waiting, when it, as I pull into the parking lot at Kaiser, wait for my dad's medication, and I'm feeling overwhelmed, I said, okay, all right, I'm, let me just sit here for a moment, and let me just visualize what Jesus was going through on the cross. And the weirdest thing happened. Even my wife was surprised when I got home. Because normally she sees that I get down and I'm just quiet, whatever. And she goes, did you see your dad? You know, I'm like, yeah, why? She's like, really? Did you go somewhere else? <laughs> I'm like, where, where else would I go? Like, any, when in doubt, I'm at Costco, right? Um, and so she's like, I know, I was, yeah, I was just curious. I actually did go to Costco because I had to wait for the medication. And then I did go to <laughs> um, uh, it was Costco that saved me. No, 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 I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That would have been a grip better, uh, I should have applied the application while sitting in the, uh, the couches at, uh, at uh, Costco, huh? At the foot of the cross, on the couch of Costco. But, but I, I sat there just visualizing. And you know, it was just like, wow. You know, I visualize just the blood dripping down his feet. I visualized the sound. I visualized the sound of pain that he was going through. I imagined just it all. And somehow, as I was just allowing myself to stay there, I started to, to see, like, wow, you would do that for me? You would, you would see my pain right here, right now? And you would do that for me? How can I not do that for my dad, for this, that thing, and that situation? How can I not? Right? And I, I think a lot of it was just my focus was on God. And just focus on he's at work. And he's, he's not only saving, our, you know, saving us, but he's got a plan. And so I think from there, that's when I was able to step away and then, you know, be extra patient, you know, um, and not feel so tired, so burdened. 
It was the strangest thing. And I wonder if that's something you could start doing. Because I don't know, maybe for some of us, we're overly stressed. We don't have time for God's spiritual family because maybe we're at the foot of something else, the foot of our own success, the foot of academic achievements, the foot of our careers. And wherever we're at the foot of, that's what robs us from being able to see and enjoy what God is really doing. And so I, I, I was, um, um, sounds kind of funny, I was grateful for my own application, <laughs> you know, but I think there's something to that, wouldn't you say? And maybe that's what we see here. John's like at the foot of the cross, and he sees what's going on. Mary's at the foot, of the, all, all of them are at the foot of the cross, seeing what's going on. And they see what Jesus is doing for them. So how can they not do what he wants? I have an um, a assignment that I would like to suggest you to, to do. The first assignment, there's two assignments, okay? Um, the first assignment is, can you, you, you don't have to write a hand letter. If you want to write a hand letter, that's, that's great. Can you text someone that has been a spiritual mother to you? a spiritual father to you, a spiritual older brother, older sister to you? Can you email them, text them, handwrite, whatever? And here's what I'd like you to write. Two, 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 two things to, to write. What they have done that meant so much to you, what they have done that, that demonstrated that, that spiritual motherhood or that spiritual fatherhood, or that spiritual older brother, spiritual older sister, what have they done for you? You know, hey, thanks for just praying for me. I know you pray for me. You know, I know you, you text me or you, you write me to, to tell me, that, or you call me or you tell me that you're praying for me, and I just want you to know that I see that. Hey, thank you for just calling me up and, and reaching out and making sure uh, I'm okay. Right? Or, hey, thank you for just being there when I was in a crisis and you listened to me. You processed with me. So, so first part you're going to write is what, are, what, 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 what they did. The second part that you're going to write is how it made you feel. How it made you feel. When you, do, when you, when you reached out to me or when you were there for me when I was in crisis, I felt heard for the first time. I felt... I felt loved. I felt like I have a beautiful spiritual family to go to. So here's the second thing that I'm going to ask you to do. It's now to do that for someone else. Maybe in your small group. Maybe someone that you've noticed that has been um, coming around, but kind of hangs out but then leaves. Or maybe someone that just God has put on your heart. And, uh, and I would, you know, I, I, sometimes I, I think it would be helpful to kind of even give more instruction. Therefore, go, go say hello, use five words, and, uh, you know, and, 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 and ask him for lunch first. You know, but just, we got the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. You know, it's kind of like, uh, I, took, I took Taekwondo growing up, and um, I only made it to green belt 
Um, uh, I do have a black belt that I bought at Costco for ten dollars. Um, but uh, but um, but you know, it's kind of like wouldn't that not make sense if I did two three years of Taekwondo and someone attacks me and I go, oh, someone's attacking me. I got to start in my ready position first. Right, and then I got to do kia, 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 right? Or itzaya, 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 right? That would just, that, what was the purpose of doing taekwondo for self-defense, right? It has to be the forms and, and the structure is there, but you have to just, just be dynamic about it. Trust your instincts, right? Um, a, a, a person in our church, she's a, uh, uh, what do you call it, a uh, salsa instructor, and her advice to us, we're like, oh, so what's your advice? Because I don't know how to dance, right? She, she said something very deep. Um, I don't know how practical it is, but it's very deep. She says, you, you dance with your heart, then your feet will follow, right? So I was like, oh, wow. Then I visualized, but I don't know about my heart. My heart is pretty racy, so I'll just start running. So I guess I'll be doing the running man from, from then on, you know, right? But Trust the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit. And, you know, one, one piece of advice on what you can do, you know, like, what should I do? How do I, how do I text it? Well, you know, the, we all have, like, your, your love, love language, you know? We all have the, the, you know, how there's, like, the five love languages. Um, what is it? Words of affirmation, um, gift giving, physical touch, although you don't, shouldn't do that with someone in the church. Um, and then... Um, Acts of service, thank you. That's not important to me, and that's why I don't remember it. What's the last one? What's the last one again? Quality time. See, the last year I was like, ah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> if, you were, if, if we were to um, add on to our own Asian love language, the sixth one would be criticism. That's a love language, right? <laughs> uh, unwarranted advice, right? Number seven, fruit. Right? Fruit, right? Right? You know, fruit, right? It's like you come over and because the gift has to be practical, right? Um, you know, and so, but whatever your love language is, whatever you like to do for other people, do that for that person. Or maybe whatever that person has done for you, do that for another person. So I'm going to close and let's just sit just for a few moments. One, who is God wanting you to acknowledge? Number two, who is God wanting you to come, go reach out to? Who is God saying, behold, here is a brother or a sister that needs caring? Who is that person for you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for an opportunity to be seen by you. We're so grateful that not only do you see our pain, you are proactive. You are there for us. You're there to carry. You're there to provide. You're there to be strong. You're just there. So I pray that in, the, in this moment, would you bring to mind someone that has played a spiritual parental role? God, would you press it on our heart 
maybe even right now, or at some point today, to just reflect and to share what that person has done. But in doing that, God, help us to see that, God, you are wanting us to do the same for someone else. So, Lord, as we just sit here for a moment, bring to mind who you want us to reach out to, who you want us to acknowledge. Remind us, God, give us a visual of what they have done. Give us a vision of what we can do for another person.